we, uh, we've been going through Exodus, and Exodus is amazing, and we're taking a break from it today to look at Father's and Father's Day, and a little bit of a, of a pause in that, or a, a difficulty in that, in the sense of... Uh, Well, in the sense of this, in the sense that I don't like holidays that are made up, and Father's Day is kind of made up. It was established in 1972, right? Like I was, I was like four, I think. It's uh, somebody was sitting in a sermon in the early 1900s and said, "Wow, we're we're doing a special sermon for Mother's Day. We should honor fathers too." And then, you know, 40, 50 years later, they established it as a holiday, supported by many of the commercial ventures that like to buy, say, shaving stuff and soap and things. I don't know what you're getting, fathers, for Father's Day, but maybe it's a new razor. <laughs> so you go, well, I don't like that so much. I don't like commercialism. But you know what? It's actually an incredible, huge role in somebody you know's life fatherhood is and indeed not just that but in god himself who we call father this incredible reality of what does it mean and and so we're we're, we're doing a, a piece on being dad and, and i gave you on your the cover of your of your bulletin today this is a very famous probably the most famous dad story in the bible painted by rembrandt and it's the return of the prodigal the dad there holding his son and those pieces of what, what does it mean to be a, a, a dad become this really important piece of, of reality. My joy today is that you would start to see what it means to be a father and, and understand that. Maybe not because you're a dad and, and maybe you want to be a dad and you can't. Or maybe you had a father who didn't reflect right the principles of what it means to be a dad. And you kind of be like, well, I wish I had a better father or, or I guess I'll just tune out. But, but the reality is we have a father in heaven. And I thought it would be really helpful for us to understand today what that means. What does it mean for you? How does that play out in, in, in law and gospel and in the word of God and, and as the Bible presents fatherhood? Be- because in our day, it's under attack. And so you think, well, how is it under attack? And then are the, the things we're fighting for, are they right? Are they true? What, what should you be about as a dad? What are those things? So what we'd like to do is, is to look at that a little bit together. I, I want to start with, with honestly just thinking about our culture a little bit. Because many of the things we think about as fatherhood and, and, and fathers in general are just about culture and what we think a dad ought to be. This cultural dad. I don't know. I, some of these, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what they are as we go. But, but, but you say, well, you know, TV and movies, they just reflect. No, they reflect someone's idea of what it means to be a father or to be in certain roles. Here's when I was growing up, one of them. This is, this is Leave it to Beaver. Remember Ward Cleaver? And, and, and there he is, cutting the turkey. Why? Because dad's a provider. He works for the family and he comes back. That's a cultural idea, right? That the dad has the role of being the provider for the family and the wife is at home taking care of the kids and making sure they're there. And so this idea of dad is maybe that provider person. That's a, that's a good thing, right? 
presented, and you're like, man, it's in black and white, and you start thinking, yeah, man, those are better days. Or, or remember this one? Oh, Andy Griffith. With his, with his son there, because that's what the dad does, right? You're guiding your, your kids. You're, you, you've got them, and you're going to mold them and shape them and, and show them the wonder of the world, and, and there it is, and it's still black and white because, oh, better days. And, and those are good things, not bad things. Excellent. Or you shift to, you know, happy days. They're here again. Mr. Cunningham, and now you have this, this dad, and again, the provider still, but, but now we're starting to introduce in our culture a little bit of, you know, dad sometimes is not real smart. No, we thought about Mr. Cunningham, but he wasn't the smartest of knives in the drawer. No offense to him. But he dispensed wisdom. He always had something wise to say still. So kind of the dad is a guide or wisdom, and you just keep going where dads become ones who are taking care of large families because large families are good, a blessing from the Lord. Again, these are all actors. This isn't true. He didn't actually have this family. The backstory to some of this, but what's presented in our culture is what a dad is, right? Taking care of, giving authority to these uh, families. You have, um, you know, a lot of comedies, and a lot of comedies surround this relationship and, and what it means. But dad, even though he gets into trouble a lot, he, he, he generally is the person who's going to figure out a solution, who's going who's, who's to have something wise to say, even if the kids don't listen. It's good. You know, this is, this is um, what many of us grew up with in our society. We grew up with this, too. Things start to change. Now dad is, 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 is always presented to. Maybe he's a bit of a crass oaf. But before you go, wow, I don't listen to that. You know, he loves his kids. This is Homer Simpson, and he'd do anything for his kids. Man, and even if he'd do stuff, you'd think, man, this is really lame. And yeah, I don't, he's, he's too. No, but our culture catches this idea of a dad for his kids, you know. Sometimes dads even, uh, you know, they do anything for their kids, but they do some pretty bad stuff. But at least you understand their motivation. They're motivated for their children. This is probably the most, uh, most famous over the last 15 years. It's called Modern Family. And now you see things, you go, well, I start to see things that I really don't like, you know. Not sure about some of these other slides you've shown, Dax. But now I'm really starting to struggle because here the modern family are starting to push at what, what, the, what the realities are as the main dad in this particular show is, is a huge age gap between him and his wife. There's even a family where it's two dads. You're like, well, that's not a family. We start to go, what do we need to fight over? What are the things we need to define to say, this is what, this is what fatherhood is? And we can still talk about, yeah, the dad is for the kids and, and, and loving the children and providing guidance and having some authority. But what is it? What we're prone to do is to pick up whatever it is that we want to fight for. Let's go to the Bible and find out how we can fight for the right pieces of what it means to be a father. So then my question becomes, what are the right pieces? What are the things that are worth fighting for? What are the things you say, yeah, this is what makes a dad? Especially a Christian dad. 
So I, I want, I showed a bunch of slides, but that's the culture, right? I'm really interested in what a Christian dad is. I, I hope you are. Man, the word of God is authority. The word of God is the thing. So I, I need to know what I'm going to stand on, what it means for me to stand and say, I, I am a dad. And, and I don't mean for this to be so clinical. I can't. I wanted to be a dad for 10 years. And God, in his grace, finally gave me two amazing kids and experience what it means to be a dad. But if you came up to me and said, Dax, what does it mean? I'd say, well, I just, I just, I'll do anything for my children. I love them. I want them to succeed. I want the best for them. Yeah, but what does it mean to be a Christian dad? What does it mean? What are you doing? What's the idea? And, and that's, that's what my heart is that you would start to see, that particularly around, around, around Christianity, right? The, the first most important thing for you and me in, in our lives is that we have a dad. You get that, right? I don't care if you were adopted, if you went through an orphanage, if you don't know your, your father, if you had a terrible... No, you've got a heavenly father. Each of us in this room, the idea of God as father is an amazing thing. And this is Galatians, but Romans says it too. There's a variety of places where clearly... But here's one. Because you are sons, it means sons and daughters. It means kids there. Because you are kids, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. You say Daddy to God. That's incredible. The King of the Universe, and you say Daddy to Him. You say, I've got, a, I've got actually a Father. Huge, amazing, wonderful. Can't, can't emphasize it enough, right? That, 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 but, but what it starts to come with as a Christian is I start going, okay, well, well then what I'm supposed to, I, I've got this father, that's amazing, and so do you. And so I know what fatherhood is. It's who God the Father is. And so I start to take on a weight of trying to, what am I supposed to do as a father? Well, be, be like him. You're imaging this father, that, that's kind of the, the place we go to, right? Um, we're not that, don't, don't leave this too quickly with me. This, this idea of, of I have a father and then I am in the role of father and maybe you are too or you know somebody who is. You think, wow, what I'm supposed to do is to represent God then, God the father. That's, that's, and so then I go back into my culture and say, well, one of the ways I do it is to provide for my kids. So I'm for provision because God provides for me. Isn't that true? God the Father does. I want to go back and I want to say, you know what? God has authority. God, God is the, the, the Father is the authority. So I want to make sure the Father has authority. I go and I say, okay, well, the God the Father, he, he, he's, he's, you don't disrespect him. So I want to make sure that I stand for respect. And the difficulty becomes that in all these little areas, we start to pick and choose. How do you know which, which, which God aspect of the Father are you really trying to represent? And in fact, if you start to represent them, you represent them wrongly. 
Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, dads. I'm with, I, I, my father in heaven provides so perfectly for me and I provide poorly in comparison for my kids. God, my father, is so wise that he knows my heart and knows everything that I am thinking and knows exactly what I need and gives me those things. And then I dispense a proverb to my kids, not where they're at. It's a problem, right? Isn't that a little problem? I mean, we see this in the Bible. And, and if, we're, if we're real, we start going, wow, there's a disconnect. There's a real problem between this idea of, of, of you need to represent God, Father, and, and, and can you? Say, so, well, of course I can. Okay, okay, really, honestly, the guy that wrote Proverbs, his name was Solomon. The main thrust of the first half of Proverbs is, kid, watch out for immorality, sexual immorality. I'm like, well, thanks, Dad, oh, person who has what? 700 wives? Great, do as I say, not as I do, right? You you see every example of the father in the Bible and you start looking at the dads and you really have your eyes open to this. If you open your eyes to this about dads, let's pick a couple. Let's pick Jacob. Line of Christ, you know, has all the tribes of Israel or his kids. Yeah, except, you know, 10 of them want to kill the other one. They stick him in a pit and sell him into slavery. Say, well, that's just a bad example. David. David's got a kid. What does the kid do? He tries to kill David. (laughs) Right? David loses his kingdom because the kid's after him. You start picking these dads around. You say, wait a minute. There's, There's something about the Bible that isn't just, well, here is God the Father, and so here's your mission, Dad. Be him. You're not him. I don't think. He said, well, but you're supposed to try. Yes, you are. You know what's good. You know what's true. You give that to your kid, but every step you take, right, you know you're taking steps as a Christian that, that, that wow, you know, I'm a pretty poor reflection of the reality of the perfection of fatherhood that God the Father is. Why do I say that? I say that because it's so common that people stand up and say, you know what? My kids turned out right. Why did they turn out right? Because I did it right as a dad. Follow me as I follow Christ. I, I've got the fatherhood principles, and if you'll do them, your kids will turn out too. What a load of hooey. That's not the Bible. Why is it not the Bible? Because the Christian idea of God is that God the Father is perfect and at work, and you're a poor reflection of it. In fact, what you really should say is, I'm such a terrible father, I can't believe why my kids turned out. Literally in spite of me. And I don't know how many therapist bills they're going to have, but it'll all be due to me. Because that's how I start to see the beauty of God and his perfection. And my desire, I love my kids, but my, and, and, and so, so a little bit I go, well, that, that difficulty of your imaging God the Father is something that ought to humble dads and humbles me and goes, I'm not God the Father. It's so amazing that he even uses me to occasionally dispense wisdom to my children. And maybe when they're 35, they'll come back to me and say, wow, dad, that was a really good one. <laughs> but rarely in the day. And then here's the second one. 
This is because the Bible doesn't have it done. You can't find in the Bible. Look at the, I'm gonna, we're going to turn to these four books that I'll talk about parenting. No, there's like two verses. Three, four verses. That's all. And they reflect something like this. Fathers, this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, the Colossians is, is, tells you where the emphasis is. Paul writes a very similar letter to the church of Colossae, and, and there he basically says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger lest they get discouraged. So the emphasis is on that beginning part. It's like, dads, don't provoke your children to anger. That, I usually just skip that part and go to the second part because I really want to instruct, discipline my children. But the Bible, the Christian kind of Bible says, the idea is you don't want to provoke them. So dads are in a particular position, given by God, reflecting the God of the universe, this father who's in charge of anything. You're given this authority, and the number one thing that you might do is provoke your kids. Guess what? You probably already have. I know I have. I shouldn't, right? But I, I want to, I so know what they, what they're, what's good for them. I so know what they should do. I so know exactly what, man, I've got a plan for their lives. They don't even need to think. I'll just do it for them. We'll get them to where they're supposed to go if you just follow my great counsel because I'm dad and I'll tell you and, and, and you push them and you push them and you push them and pretty soon they're not pushing back. They're just gone because you're provoking. You're not God. There is one. There's a, a, a true father, right? So this thing I did, this, this provoking piece is huge and then there's the other piece but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So now I'm like, oh, now I know I'm gonna bring them up in discipline and instruction and there's teaching in there and there's, there's life uh, emulation in there and there's things I'm doing in there to try and be a good example to my kids so they know and they follow. You know, the, the African proverb is big. The monkey's got a tail. Baby monkey's got a tail, your kids are watching you. The, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The, the like father, like son. You know, the, the, this idea that, that whatever you do, your kids are going are to follow. And Those, by the way, aren't in the Bible. That's all cultural stuff, right? It kind of works. Your kids pick up your worst habits. They just don't seem to pick up your best ones. Sometimes they do. That's not the point, right? The point is that doesn't really work. It's not something that, that, that follows exactly because, because, because that's not the Bible. So I want Christian. Saying, I appreciate Ward Cleaver. I appreciate Andy Griffith. I appreciate the best parts of Homer Simpson. I don't know. I never even watched it. I'm sorry. Maybe it's terrible. <laughs> but, but it's not the Bible. I want to know a God. Like when he says discipline and instruction of the Lord, what is that exactly? This discipline and instruction. What is, what, and, and so I'm, I'm tempted to make it any part of the culture I support. So what it means is, is, is mom stay at home and dads provide for the kids. Where does it say that in the Bible? Oh, it doesn't, but I'm going to make it part of the instruction. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm so prone to use whatever I, I want to think works okay. It's, it's not against, those things aren't wrong. They're not bad things usually that I'm supporting with biblical support that's not really there, but it supports this. But it's exactly what the Pharisees did, right? I mean, the Pharisees took the word of God and they said, well, well this, this fence out here is kind of keeps us in line with, with the text. And so we'll make the fence out here and we'll make this the thing. So make sure you don't, you don't walk more than a quarter mile on Sundays. We want to preserve the Sabbath. Well, but that's not really the Bible. 
So what the thing of, of dis, the discipline and instruction of the Lord, what is his instruction? And the Lord, I, I think he's talking about Jesus, the instruction of Christ, the picture of the Father that we see. So I want to spend a couple minutes with you. This is, this is really, really interesting to me because I, I push towards needing to be an example of the Father as a dad, and I, I hope you feel this too, Dad. I, I need to be an example of the Father of all who's perfect and holy and being told to raise my kids in instruction and discipline, almost always what ends up in some sense that I'm a discouragement to them because I'm not God and I'm not even a particularly good example of him. But I run into people all the time in different circles and say, wow, you're such a good uh, example of faithfulness that your kids all follow the Lord. I know the guy. Recently they said that. I know it's not true. I know me. I know it's not. If that's the hope is that I'm going to be faithful enough and a good enough picture of the Father that my kids are going to rise up and say, Jesus is alive. I think I'm in trouble. It's good the Bible doesn't say that. So in what way are you an example, Father? Is it by how godly you are? Is it how what you say? Aren't we all a little bit like Solomon? Aren't we all a little bit that way? That Man, we say things, but we don't do them. I say, man, be humble, but I'm a prideful man. What's the instruction and discipline? And do you think the example of God you're trying to actually portray? So this instruction and discipline, I want to talk to you about what that means to be a gospel dad. Just, just for a few minutes, we have left. And, and these are images and, and expectations from our Savior. They, they, it comes from this perspective to see your Father this way, your Father in heaven. And you, so you say, well, this is, this is the reality of what it means to be dad in a way that our culture has no idea because our culture is not Christian. It's not Christian. Wanting my kid to be successful in the world so that they're like a physician or wanting him to be successful in the world so they don't have the struggles I had or wanting my kids to function well, those are all fine things, but don't call them Christian. We're all part of the culture and I love it when my kid succeeds. But what does it really mean? So, so what I really think it means is they know Jesus, right? I want my kids to be saved. Something that is entirely not up to me. Yeah, but I can help. Can you? What does that look like? What is God's portrayal of himself in that? Let's, let's take a look for a minute. And to do that, I'm, in, I'm pushing you over to Luke chapter 15 because this is where Jesus, more than any other place, gives a story of a father. Jesus Christ, our Savior, he says, hey, here's a dad. <laughs> let me tell you what it's like. You want to be like God the Father? Let me give you a story. And he's, he's, he's talked about two things already leading up to it, about how, you know, they've, uh, a person loses a little coin, and they find the coin, and they're so happy about the coin. And then they lose a sheep, and the sheep gets found, and there's joy in the presence of the angels in heaven when that little sheep is found. <laughs> Think about that. That means God, the Father, rejoices to find the lost. So he's... he's, he's Jesus, he says he's all in a row, I, I believe. And, and, he, and, he, and he's referring to what the Father in heaven thinks. And then he tells a story about a father. That's this chapter 15. 
We won't do the whole thing. We don't have time. But I want to show you this. It says, and, and then Jesus said, it's Jesus talking, there was a man who had two sons. Okay, the story's about the man, the father. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. Okay. This is a parable. It should be called the parable of the prodigal father. We often call it the parable of the prodigal son. And, and Jesus just talked about the joy of the father. And now he's talking about the father and he's got two sons. And the youngest says, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what it means in that culture they're standing in. He's talking in a particular culture. And he says, the son comes up to the dad and said, Dad, die. I don't want to hear from you anymore. I just want the money. You don't do it. This is a terrible thing to come up to your dad and say, I wish you were dead, dad. But that's, <laughs> I, I wish you were dead. Because you didn't get your inheritance till the dad was dead. So Jesus tells the story that the people understood this. That's the culture. And the younger son role, the instructed role of right behavior, the thing that you're training your kid to do is to support and help the family, the father. That's the whole deal. You say, okay, I want to know what a dad is and what Jesus is presenting as a dad. And the dad that I see here is a dad where his son comes and says, I don't want to listen to you. Get me out. You know what the response should be. What's best for that kid? Don't you know? Is it ever good for your kid to be in such rebellion that they want you to die? What would you do? In the age of physical discipline, you give them a spanking. If they're too old and you can't give them a spanking, you say, no. Get back, help the family. When I'm dead, you'll get your money. But you need to learn respect of me. You need to learn respect for the role. You need to learn what authority means. You need to know what provision means, and I provide for you. You need to know, and you could go on a litany of what rightly we would say culturally a dad is. The dad You don't allow this sort of horribleness. This is not right. You tell them to shut up and get back to work and, and explore why in the world are you thinking that you even have the right to express that you want me dead. And so the father says, okay, right? He divided his property between them between his two sons, right? The, uh, that's what it, it says there. This is, this is, the father dies. He doesn't give him words of wisdom. He doesn't help him see and prevent him from doing something stupid. He says, that's where your heart is. I'll die. And he divides his property like he's dead and the kid doesn't like do anything good he's doing shameful kids acting shamefully and wrongly and the dad's saying okay right because it says there verse 13 it says not many days later the younger son gathered all he had he took a journey into the far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living <laughs> shameful stuff and if you go through the whole thing it's a litany of shame right the son hurries to get away he liquidates his inheritance he probably gets pennies on the dollar he just wants to get away from this terrible dad that he can't be doesn't be around and he wish he was dead and he takes his stuff and he runs I just want you to see the dad could have prevented that at any point. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, talking about fathers, our Father in heaven. This is, this is what he's talking about, right? Right? 
He runs far away. He runs far away from accountability, from his family. And, and there he is. We, we all know what's going to happen, and it does, right? The son gets what's coming to him. Famine, and he runs out of money and food, and he goes and hires himself out to take care of pigs. What a horrible thing for an Israelite to do. Pigs are unclean, and you, don't, you can't eat them. You can't be around them. And he's sitting there stealing their food. Because he's so hungry. Man, talk about justice. It's, and, and, and that father, he should have known this. I don't think that this is a father we should emulate, right? Except here's my problem. This is Jesus Christ talking. About who that father is. And when you say father, I mean father, big father, big F. The whole story hinges on what the father has done. Because according to my Christianized cultural ideas, the one who screwed up part of my language in this particular instance is the father. He let his son do that. He died to his wisdom. He enabled this. He allowed the sin and immorality and dissipation. And you start saying, well, boy, the father acted well, so the kid will act well. This is the opposite of that, right? The kid doesn't act well, so surely the father's been... Well, don't call me Shirley. I'm sorry. But according to all the parenting books and all the cultural wisdom and all the Christian culture that's sort of these good outcomes for your kids, don't do this. But this is the father. If your Christianity is be an example of this. Then it seems like it'd be don't have successful kids. If your Christianity is bring them up in the instruction of the Lord, then this is the instruction, this parable. Uh, that your father is this. It's not denying the law. The father stands on the law. He knows what right is. He's not denying what truth is. He's not denying any of it. He's just not controlling or manipulating his grown son. I get it. The, the little kid is going to touch the flame. You don't do it. There's another sermon for another time. I'm talking about the role of the father and the reflection of the father in the life of his younger son there and what he does by the lips of Jesus. The father dies for his kid. He allows the crazy bad behavior. He's not a manipulative controller. He's not a dispenser of successful living. He's willing to be walked on. He's willing to be treated horribly. He's misunderstood. This is your dad. Everyone in this room, this is your dad. (laughs) Abba Father. Because I'm talking about our father in heaven, and you're the prodigal son, right? I am. I'm this person. I, I don't hear and listen and just receive the wonderful wisdom and, and, and amazing biblical strength that my father has presented and I rebel and I run and I hide and, and, and this is me. This is what I need to learn. I, I, I'm the one in error. And this dad, the way he shows it is he dies. Crazy, shameless dad who breaks every convention, I think, in my flesh should be the heart of the father. This is his heart. He lets him go. There's a bit more. The story's not done, of course. You probably know it. We won't read it all, but the son comes to his senses, right? 
kind of. I mean, he realized his father has actually cared for everyone really well. He realizes that on his own, he's lost. He's totally unworthy. He decides he'll go and throw himself at his father's feet, but he's not going to call him dad anymore. He's not going to call him father. He's going to say, I'm going to be a slave. That's the whole idea, right? Fatherhood means something. It means that I'm being respectful to this father. And because I haven't been, and because I wished him dead, and because I've been that crazy bad to him, I'm not even going to think that way anymore. And, And so then there's a scene where in verse 20, the son arose and came to his father. And it says there, while, but, I love the but, but because the son's coming to be the slave. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Oh, the son be, starts to give this spiel about how he's going to be a slave now. And the father cuts him off and he says, bring the robe and, 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 and put on the ring and put on the shoes and bring the fatted calf. And, and we're going to celebrate because my son is found And you see, the heart of the father has been the reality that he is the father. And it didn't stop even a tiny bit by the shenanigans and stupidity of the kid. This is our father. Always going to be there for his child. Always looking out to see if he'll come back. Always, always there to, to receive. Man, this humbled him. He was coming. And don't even you dare think for a second that you're not my kid. This is huge. Loving his son, not pushing him away, not requiring some sort of hurdle for restoration. I'll just tell you what. We don't get this very well. We don't, Right? This isn't proper. This isn't a good father. There should be accountability. There should be justice and judgment and teaching and training. And there's none of it. And you know who else doesn't get this? He's in the story. It's the older son. We're all right there with him. This is the presentation of what a dad is? Dad, you're crazy. You need to like put him through some hurdles. You need to train this kid. He's got to learn, and he won't learn. He won't have success if he thinks that you're a crummy dad and he's going to want stuff and run. You've got to give him consequences. You've got to help and push him and, and all these things because it makes sense to me. I understand that. This is the law, and instead the father's been a picture of the gospel. Hugging his kid. Do you know what the dad does to that statement? The father goes and he starts to plead with his older son who doesn't think it's fair, who thinks the calf should be saved for him, who doesn't think this is all good at all. And, and the story ends that way. It doesn't end with the dad with a reconciled family with arm around each kid going, oh, now we're a family again and it's all restored and look, be like me. It ends with one kid still against him. Still against the father. It's uncomfortable. I don't know about this. And I'd be very tempted to say, what, an, what, what, a, what a dumb story, let's cut it out. Except I'd be cutting out the Bible. And in actuality, I'd be cutting out the, the very story Jesus is using to push into us what a dad is. Because I don't like it. I want to go back to Andy Griffith. Soft, easy, you know, my kid will, if I do it right, my kid will be a smiling, happy little, oh, dad, can you teach me how to fish? Oh, yes, son, let me tell you all the good things you do to fish. First you do that. 
And we get a little bit of that. But that's not the heart of the father, right? The heart of the father is when your kid's like, I don't like you and I'm moving away. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to be around you. I don't like the wisdom you dispense. I don't love how you're treating me. And, and I have a choice because sometimes I need to give the law and say, you don't understand the law of God. Let me explain to you and tell you the law of God that demands that you do these things. Let me give it to you. But you know what? When you do that, you're not in this parable. When you get to this parable, you're talking about, I'll just always love you, kid. I will do everything. I will die that you might live. I don't do that very well. I want justice for me. But that's the picture of our father because that's what our father did. This is the presentation of the father. So it is okay, dear people, to have cultural ideas of fatherhood. It is not wrong. We live in a culture. Some of those ideas are wiser than others. Some of them are flat out wrong. But the trouble is how we start to Christianize cultural ideas. We do. And, and, and like the Pharisees building fences that are supported by some biblical ideas, but they're not the Bible. And so your success as a father in obtaining salvation and godliness for your child, it is not up to you. You cannot use that as a judge for how successful you've been as a dad. That's just not here. This is the presentation of the father and the father that we're emulating. If you want to emulate, it's dad. It, it, it means loving your kids and hoping for them. And as they're older, you're not stopping them. You're not controlling them. You're realizing they're wrong and sinners and you're loving them anyway. They don't make the right choices. And on the one hand, maybe that's because you, you aren't seeing things rightly. I'm reminded, I'm a cultural person too. The, the, I think it's father and son. It's Cat Stevens. He's terrible. He thinks terrible things. But he has this amazing song about the son and the dad and they're arguing. Like, oh, I want to give you wisdom. I want to give you wisdom. The son's like, you don't understand me. Maybe the son's right. The wisdom's still good. But you see, relationally, we can't, we can't go down those roads. What I can do is love my kid. Poorly, because I'm not the father. But this is my model, right? This example of loving them and hoping for them and their wrongness, excited to have a relationship with them, not being put off by their sin. And, and, and the real example of being a dad to you and me today, and I'm right here too, is that we exist. God has, in his grace, allowed us to have this role, fathers. And like every person on earth, your kids sin and so do you. And we need the love and care of the heavenly father like anyone. But, but, but this is what opens eyes, that our role as a father is not the authoritarian behavioral police. It is pointers to the cross where the son of God died to make us all sons and daughters of God. This is the instruction and discipline of the Lord. The instruction is that God died for us. He cares for us so much. He cares for us when we're wrong and off. And discipline is not to control, not to manipulate, but to point to a God who's done everything for us. I want to read my Bible because I want to know more about Jesus. You know what a great news it is for you and me. In Deuteronomy 6, uh, there's a repetition of the Ten Commandments. And it says there, like we've been studying Exodus, the Ten Commandments are laid out. But then later on in the chapter, it talks about, about it, particularly for dads, moms. I, I think dads here, parents. 
and the real instruction there to give, it, it looks like this. Let, let me put it up. When your son asks you in time to come, Dad, what's the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and rules that, that Yahweh our God has commanded you? Like it comes up and says, wow, we're, Dad, you follow these rules. You seem, you, you seem to be holding to this stuff. Like, why? And, and the whole response is, you shall say to your son. And he goes into this litany of saying, look at what God's done for us. Can, can I tell you about the wonder of our real father? We were slaves and he, he rescued us. He gave us land. He's dwelt with us. He is incredible. And we say that too. He loves us even though we mess up over and over. We can always run to him like you can always run to me. Even when you don't do what's the wisest, best instructions are. Even when I've told you what the best is and you don't even do it. Even when you wish I'm dead, but you come to your senses. Even though you know what the laws are because you don't do them, I don't either, and I run to my Father in heaven who loves me forever and whose son died for me on the cross because that's my dad. And he's your dad too. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being our father every single day. Thank you for that perfect father that you are providing for us, giving us what we need, not what we want. Thank you that you see into our hearts and know exactly the circumstances and the events that we need to grow us and to bring us home. And Lord, I pray particularly this morning for the fathers in this room the role that you've put us in. Lord, that you might open our eyes to the wonder of the grace of the gospel. That we might be a people who reflect this Father's heart that's taught by your Son to us. Lord, forgive us that our flesh gets in. Forgive us that we get in there and want to fix and do and make our kids be better when we can't. What pride we have. And Lord, I pray that we would love our kids because you love us. I pray that we would have wisdom because of the wisdom you give us. And I pray that you would help us stand on the truth, your incredible law, and your deep gospel. In your precious name, amen.